Today on Mission 5 of Rogue Padron, Rogue Squadron's first taste of action, secrets from Wedge's past revealed, Kirtan lore catches Rogue Squadron sent, and the rogues get their first rescue mission. This is Rogue Leader, all wings report in. Rogue 6 standing by. Rogue 7 standing by. Rogue 3 standing by. Sometimes they say they found me like running down the street, waving my whip in the air and going da 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 da. I like that version of the story, but they also may have just found me passed out on the road. But like I ran into them and they found me and then they took me home and put me to bed. Oh my god, y'all! Oh my god, it's, it's really bad. Such a pretty cat. Cool. Excellent. Well. Let's talk about Star Wars. Yes. All right. Hello, and welcome to the newest episode of Rogue Padron. Today we'll be talking about chapters 13 through 16 of X-Wing Rogue Squadron. But before that, quick reminder about your hosts. We have Rogue Six, Danny, who knows that the best romance of TFA will be Phasma and Hux. Hashtag Phasmux forever. That's right. Then there's Rogue Seven, Saf, who started the New Zealand chapter of the I Heart Ray Club. It currently consists of everybody in the country. Freaking love Ray down here. <laughs> then there's Rogue Three, he, who camps outside the airfield to catch a glimpse of Poe Dameron and maybe even lock eyes with the dashing pilot. I would do that. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, who can't wait to see Luke show up at the end of the movie with his Ewok Padawan. Aww. I want yeah. to see that. Yeah, so an Ewok with a lightsaber is terrifying because oh. they're. He's going to chop off everybody's legs. <laughs> Overhands in space. And then cook them. Yes. Um, Waste has, not, what not. Has what, is, <laughs> what if Snoke is an Ewok? Has that been posited yet? Oh that my has God. not been disproved. I mean, I'd want revenge if I were an Ewok. Yeah. Mess on my planet. Well, speaking of the th- the Force Awakens, it's all any of us can think of right now because of that trailer. Uh, oh which... my god! How many times have you watched it, Heath? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so instead my... of a Rogue One question, we're going to start off with uh, the Force Awakens question because there is some some uh, speculation that can be had with regards to our special interest in X Wings, and so just pretty broad question. But what do we think is the state of the squadron? in The Force Awakens. What are we hoping for? What do we think based on what we know so far? Well, there are definitely X-Wings. <laughs> but there they are. look different. They're very pretty. I have they're, they're one so on my desk. Well, it's like 30 years of upgrade working, right? Yeah. I want to, like, stroke one. But... <laughs> I was going to say lick one, and I was like, no, no, I'll make it less weird. But I made it less <laughs> weird. <laughs> she said both of those things. <laughs> No, I want I want there to be like a squadron of some kind, and I want Poe to be leading it. And I, I want say, to say, like, do we think Poe is rogue leader? He's got to be. Yeah, he's yeah. got to be. I think. I hope he is. Um, the only thing that we know for sure is that there's a blue squadron because that was in the Weapon of the Jedi. Intro. Oh yeah. And so, but we're not sure if like she's one of his pilots or if they're in the same squadron or anything. So it's still a possibility that like. 
well, we do now see him best pilot of the resistance is he does have sorry he has the black x-wing and like all the figures and stuff but we see him in a blue and white x-wing in the trailer Mm. and teasers so it's possible maybe he swaps squadrons or something it could be yeah he could have it's too good don't different colors usually mean different types of ships though so Uh, wouldn't blue squadron be a different kind of ship maybe but not necessarily you'll you'll see later in rogue squadron that they actually paint their ships um differently depending on who's in it like corin comes in with like a green x-wing because he's from corsac and one of their colors is green okay Uh, so it doesn't really matter okay (laughs) yeah so i guess i mean that's the other question then is like have we seen any resistance ships other than x-wings like are there still y-wings and a-wings and b-wings in operation they realize the Y-Wings are terrible and stop making them. Right. Probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they essentially made B-Wings to replace the Y-Wings. Like, they talked about that in the book. Um, mm. But it's just B-Wings take longer to make. And the Rebellion is poor and needed them now. So right. let's still use the Y-Wings that are here. So maybe after 30 years, they could actually retire them and get oh a... Oh, my God. Imagine if there were B-Wings, like, everywhere. That would be amazing. Right. Yeah, that would be awesome. Since B-Wings are also two man. I'm sorry. Type. What podcast am I on right now? Is it, is it B-Wing fan club? Oh, wow. Jeez, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. The shade. We're a fan club now? I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. I, I'd be in that fan club. Okay. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um. Do you, so what are your thoughts on, like, because my thinking is that the New Republic is still a thing and that the Resistance is, like, part of the New Republic. So I'm kind of thinking the the Resistance is, like, the equivalent of the squadron almost if that makes any sense i feel hmm. like the the resistance might be like a, a splinter group of the new republic or something that like disagrees because like we've seen from the books that um the new republic is being dem- dem- uh, demilitarized i don't there know how go. to say it you got it um <laughs> and so maybe the resistance is like against that and wants to still keep some military power so they kind of break off to do that and that so yeah sense. they would have the squadrons and stuff i like that right and um and there's always the case for the fact that there are there are always things that the government can't condone but need to be done. And so even if it wasn't like a, well, I hate like what the New Republic is turning into, like maybe just a, well, we need to do the things that the New Republic technically can't. So we're going to go off and do this on our own um, and like whatever means necessary. Yeah. And it totally makes sense that Leia would be charging up that movement. That's kind of in right. her personality, I feel like. Well, and yeah. she's she's had so much experience with, like, underground guerrilla movements where mm-hmm. it's like, who better than her? Like, Mon Mothma or someone else can be stuck in the political arena, but Leia's strength is that she's a diplomat and a fighter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I think we'll see her be both in mm-hmm. TFA, given what her appearance on the poster looked like. It was clearly a different sort of... Yeah, it looks more senatorial. Yeah, than like what she's wearing when she's embracing Han, and like what she was wearing in the back, behind the scenes video. I think right. I think we're going to see her playing like two very different roles. Oh, I movie. hope so. That's all I want. <laughs> I just so want cool. so much Leia. What if Leia's she's rogue leader? So... Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, that would that'd be, be awesome. awesome. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lady pilots. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. That'd be so great. Staff, that's a really good, like, the the whole demilitarized thing. Like, I know we've talked about, or I've heard people talking about that 
because of the stuff in Aftermath, but I hadn't even considered that, like, yeah, maybe that's how it still is in the New Republic. It's just kind of a like a UN almost, where they pretty much <laughs> don't actually accomplish anything, and, and mm-hmm. the, that's why the resistance happened. And and so maybe yeah, that's we'll just kind of what I thought. Do you think we'll be seeing the reformation of the squadron after many years out of operation? I think so. Yeah. 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 I hope so. Like, even Blue Squadron, like she Leia, maybe like took it with her um, as they went, and now it's kind of being reformed into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible something happened in like with the First Order or the Empire Fragments or something mm-hmm. that made them realize that they needed to have something to protect themselves. Yeah. And Leia's old enough to know that, like, Rogue Squadron's going to mean something. Um, and not it's not just another X-Wing group, right? It's, right. it's the hammer that crushes their opponents. Mm-hmm. So. Did, did we get any sense of the time that those scenes are taking place in Weapon of a Jedi? I mean, like, I know we assume it's right around TFA since that's when... But was there any, like, context clues that gave us any no, more details about that? not really. Not, like, um... It mentioned 3PO's red arm. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so... we also don't know when he actually gets that. Right. It, well, might no be similar to, it might be similar to Moving Target, where um, that it's quite close to the start of TFA. Mm-hmm. Well, I assume Moving Target's quite close to the start, because, like, stuff is happening in the background. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like to imagine... This is a tangent. I like to imagine that those opening scenes of those three books are literally the scene taking place before the first time we see those characters in the movie. Yeah, maybe it will be. Like we'll I want, see, I guess. Like I want the first time we see Han to be like leaving the bar after that fight, and I want the first time right. we see Leia to be like right after. Which I think actually that definitely will happen. It seems like that's what they were setting it up for. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Tangent. That'd be cool. Sweet. Cool. Well, okay. everyone, your homework on that is to um, study the trailer over the next week. <laughs> Done. So watch it many times and see if you can glean any new information. That'd be very helpful for us all. This is the best homework I've ever had. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so let's jump into chapter discussion now. Um, so we ch- start with chapter thirteen, um, and as we left. Um, we knew that Rogue Squadron is being moved to another system for a new base, but nobody in Rogue Squadron knows that except Wedge. Um, and so we find out at the beginning that Corrin is promoted to lieutenant um, and is in charge of three flight. So Rogue Squadron is grouped into three different flights, each of four ships, and Corrin is the head of the third flight, so Rogue's 9 through 12. So he's not doing that bad, even though his attitude needs an adjustment still. And then they think they're doing a hyperspace navigation exercise. And it goes into a little bit of detail about what that entails and the, the, the troubles and the difficulties around hyperspace. Um, that there are safe hyperspace lanes that have already been plotted out, meaning you're not going to go through any planets. You're not going to get too close to like a black hole and get sucked in. And that it's a, it's a safe passage and you don't have to worry about it. And that's like relating to Han Solo. The Kessel Run is like, or run through space, and Han shaved off time, or he shoved he sh- he shaved off distance by going really close to a black hole. <laughs> so that's hyperspace. Seems smart as you yeah, do. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a math. I'm not I'm not too into it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they all have R two units to help them calculate courses um, through hyperspace, which is like a really good function of them, and why they, it's necessary for them to have. Robot co-pilot. Okay, so these groups, three flight, two flight, and one flight, that's what they're called, right? Yeah, okay. basically. So Corrin's in charge of three, and I, I saw caught that 
Raisati is in charge of two. Mm-hmm. Do we know who's in charge of one flight? Do Wedge we is in charge of one. Oh, Wedge is. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Wedge is Rogue Leader, or one oh. is in charge of one flight. So is Rogue so. Leader and Rogue One the same thing? Yes. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> Did I show some minds there? <laughs> yeah. So it goes Rogue Leader to Rogue Two, three, four, five. What if Felicity Jones is playing Wedge? I'm into that. Yeah, I could dig that. I think she probably is. Sounds, sounds right. S- sounds confirmed to me. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news on Rogue Padron. Yeah, definitely. And then just as a side note, you see, you've seen this mentioned like three times already in the book, but they talk about the Katana fleet. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I remember the this. Kata- yeah, the Katana fleet is a fleet of like 200 dreadnought, like super heavy warships. And they were created by the Republic before the Clone Wars in order to, like, win the war. But, like, pretty soon after they are, like, sent off for their first mission, a virus drove everybody aboard, like, crazy. <laughs> and, um... Terrified. Yeah, and eventually, like, killed everybody on board. Um, but before it could actually kill them, um, the captain of the flagship, Katana... Uh, sent the fleet out through random coordinates in hyperspace so like nobody knows what happens to it and um it's so far in the past that like everybody believes it's a legend and uh, the fleet doesn't actually exist because no one's seen it and there's no way you can just like search the galaxy for it and these come up in the Thrawn trilogy and so you get a little bit more of their backstory and you actually see people searching for the katana fleet which this, ironically um, now is also a legend yeah, yeah. is this um um was Vergier on that fleet I... the jedi yes there yeah was... because um in i think rogue planet maybe there's a couple earlier books like set mm-hmm. around the time of the clone wars where people mention it and they talk about Vergier and like yeah. going to find her and i think that's where rogue planet comes in is they're going to find her and find what happened to her and then there's like stuff hinting at the you you don fong i don't know how to say it yeah. um but like they don't actually find it and so like when i was reading those books i was like what what is this fleet what's happening i want to know um and then it gets mentioned again i still need to read thrawn so you know i just well, and i think there was i think there's one book that's like a thrawn centric book set during like yeah there is where he isn't it him like yeah. developing this fleet? yeah cool no um it's some pirates Oh, okay. It's really good. It's actually really good, but I can't remember which one it is, but I really liked it. But yeah, so if you want more of the Katana fleet, read the Throne Trilogy. Yes. And then, so again, you see that Corrin hasn't really changed his personality. <laughs> and as Ugh. and each of the flight leaders is responsible for a different league through, different leg through their hyperspace journey. And when it comes to Corrin's, he says, I don't have to worry about mistake on this leg since I did the calculations. <laughs> And so he's been like, uh, that's such a corn thing to say. That's such a Tony Stark (sighs) thing to say. It really is. God, I was so annoyed when I read that. Shut up, (laughs) corn. So, you know, he still has some room for character growth. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. uh, During this leg, they are pulled out of hyperspace by the Imperial Interdictor, Interdictor, Black Asp. And what those do is that they actually create a barrier. And so it prevents ships from escaping into hyperspace. But on the reverse, it also pulls anything out of hyperspace if it happens to be traveling by. Yeah, it's doesn't it create terrifying. like a shadow? Yeah. A gravity well shadow, Yeah, basically. gravity well. Yep. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, yeah, it's pretty spooky. So cool. 
And so it's only basically the like has these. So it's basically like a tractor trailer that can like pull you off the highway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's terrifying. And there was one of those in the most recent Rebels season two trailer, right? Yeah, we saw one. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah, they're they're scary. I don't like. I'm them. glad they can, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, because that's a that's a tool for sure. <laughs> mm. um, hey, can we also mention? Yeah, there's a lot of references to his lucky charm in this chapter, and yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's told to us now that it's a coin that he wears around his neck. And I just think that's mm-hmm. interesting keeps, that we keep referencing this. Yeah, he keeps grasping at it. Mm-hmm. Like he flies with one hand because his other hand is so busy rubbing his lucky coin around his neck. Yep, <laughs> that's Corin. Oh, Corin! I feel like there's an important backstory here, but maybe there not. is. There oh, okay, will, all right. There <laughs> is, and you'll find out. Great. Okay. I bet his dad gave it to him. <gasps> yes. I'll just say that right now because it's not that important, <laughs> like to know that it's from his dad, but it's yeah. from his dad. Oh, from Hal Horn. From Hal Horn. I can't believe Daddy Issues McGee has a lucky charm <laughs> from his dad. His dad around his neck. Uh, I think it was passed down from his grandpa. So, but I'm not 100. percent I don't 100 percent remember, but it's one of those Horn family traditions, I guess. Oh, the horn! His grandpa was the one that was a Jedi Knight in the Clone Wars, right? No, he was. He fought beside the Wait, Jedi. What? Oh, fought Wars. beside the Jedi in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was also a Corellian, uh, a Corsac um, officer. Right. So Corey right. basically didn't have a choice of what he did in his life. That's sad. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, I'm glad legacies. he's getting a chance to find himself now. Yeah. And he does much more so later on. Ooh. Foreshadow. Okay, so um, they see this yacht being attacked by the Imperials, and um, they go and they try to help it, basically. And um, Corrin gets shot by an Iron Blast, which renders his X-Wing useless, because um, that's what Iron Blasts do. They take out all the electronics um, that they hit, and um, Corrin's like, oh, I'm going to die here, <laughs> because there's really so- not a lot you can do. He was so calm about it. I was like, dude, freak out. He was like, well, I, if I do this, I'll have a couple more seconds. Like, what? what <laughs> I think if you do? go into Rogue Squadron, you just Same. expect to die. Wedge so told them. To yeah. yeah, you're right. He did tell them. And um, like, Still, like, jarring to see, though. Yeah. yeah. And, totally. uh, he manages to, like, yeah, extend his life a little bit by being able to reach, like, some manual override that, like, at least gives him, like, lasers if they'll help <laughs> and like a little bit of power, but not enough to actually start the engines on his X-Wing. Um, and so he watches rogue squadron chase away the interdictor um, because the rest of the rogues are baller. And um, he just assumes that he's just going to die there. Um, <laughs> but then it's funny because the last ties. time we saw him in action was that simulation where pretty much the exact same thing happened. Right. Yeah, he like yeah, got yeah. his good score and then peaced out, and then all the other rogues did the actual work. Right? <laughs> How is this guy a lieutenant? I don't understand. Well, I think all the other rogues were dead at that point. So, <laughs> so you know, last last surviving, <laughs> best score. And so he sees some ties coming for him, and he's just like, mm, "It's gonna happen." But then Tycho hits him up over the comm and um, links the, his targeting computer to his. And he maneuvers the TIE fighters in front so Korn can shoot him down. Um, so he has a chance to survive. And 
because Tycho's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. I love this part so much. Yeah. Oh my god, Tycho. Yeah. So he goes out of his way to save Corrin. Um, Not just out of his way. He like put himself in yes. such danger because he's driving a weaponless ship and like went out in the midst of this battle. Yeah. To help this dude. Ugh, <laughs> oh, Tycho. Yeah. So Corrin ends up at the end with the most TIE fighter kills because Tycho does that for him. And Tycho being ever humble is like, no, they're your kills, Corrin. Because <laughs> he's oh. awesome. <laughs> um, and also because he can't. Yeah. Also because <laughs> he can't do anything. But um that's the end of that chapter. Which and was nice space action. Um, going on. It was. This was a good chapter. Yeah. It was also, a really good chapter. Corrin is getting suspicious of Tycho. Yes. We'll mm. see more of that for sure. Yes. In the next chapter. <laughs> so um, the yacht that they saved, which is called the Pulsar Skate, um, gives Corrin a lift to where the other X-Wings are going, since his is out for the count. And we meet Mirax Tarek, who is the pilot. We also find out that her father, Booster Tarek, is a former pirate who did a lot of smuggling, like of drugs, and <laughs> it was how Horn sent him to the mines of Kessel for five years. So off the bat, they are suspicious and disliking of each other um, because of old father rivalries. <laughs> she is also slender. <laughs> I am so. Oh my god! Wow. When I read that, I literally oh. threw my Kindle onto the ground. I was like, "No!" Because <laughs> they can't. They can't stop. They literally cannot stop being like this lady is slender. She's got narrow hips. She's got a pretty face, and it's just... no. I literally need to take a tequila shot. I literally need to take a tequila shot every time they do it, just to make it through it. Honestly. And... <sighs> yeah. So we're gonna rewrite what. Mirax Tarek looks like to be Nancy from Toshi Station. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best Mirax. Oh, she's such a good co- Mirax cosplayer, yeah. Yeah, so that will be her from now on. And also one of our biggest fans. Thanks, Nancy. We Nancy. love you, Nancy. So that's what we're doing about that. But they have some witty banter back and forth, as they do. And um, But more importantly... Wait, we are you saying out... that Corrin is flirting with a slender lady? Yes. Well, surprise. Corin does best. I'm going to take a shot every time that happens, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a contest, Seth. All right. We're both going to be drunk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, more importantly, we find out more about Wedge. Um, and so, Wedge has had a rough grown up. His parents own, like, a gas station slash repair thing for ships. And um, one time, pirates came to refuel, and they ended up killing them, and I think blowing up the station? I don't know. Um, so basically, they came and wrecked his life. And um, Booster Tarek uh, helped Wedge track down the pirates and get revenge, which is how he already knows Mirax, um, and they're pretty good friends. And then Corrin also mentions to Wedge that Hal Horn worked the case, but didn't have Booster Tarek's connections in quotation marks. And therefore, couldn't get anywhere on it. But Wedge isn't, like, bitter about it anymore. He's just accepts it that that was a thing that happened and gave him a different view on a lot of people in the galaxy and that not everyone's all bad, even if they are smugglers. So this so. is an interesting parallel to Corrin, I feel. Yeah. Because it's definitely different, but, I mean, both of them have lost their parents, as far as we know. 
mm-hmm. and the way that wedge is dealing with that versus where the corn is dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Definitely. And so after we find that out, Mirex and Corin, you know, call it a truce because they're not their dads and maybe they can be okay with each other. And Mirex goes and does actual work. And as Corin is walking away with Wedge, Wedge nudges Corin basically and is like, I think you guys could be friends. Um, wink, wink. Yeah. But when, <laughs> but Corin's like, but she's your friend. <laughs> Look, it was awkward. Neither of these men are very subtle. (laughs) So awkward. So awkward. Um, But more importantly, uh, Corin asks why Tycho doesn't have any weapons. Um, Because people are dumb. And why he has a security detail. And not in the good way where they're trying to protect him. And Wedge... You know, doesn't explain anything, but he do- and he doesn't ask Koran not to ask Tycho about it. But he does ask that he keeps his suspicions to himself and that he fully, 100%, absolutely trusts Tycho, um, which should be good enough. But of course, it's Koran and it's not. So <laughs> we'll see what happens uh... here. And then Koran's X-Wing needs a new part. And um, so... M-Tray comes to help him out, and M-Tray tells him it's going to take, like, a couple months to get a new part, and this is another privileged Cornhorn part, where he's yelling at M-Tray about, like, regulations have their place, but not when they hurt. But it's only because he needs an X-Wing part, <laughs> and because he's obviously, like, a very upstanding regulations kind of guy, being in Corsac and being so, like, anti-any kind of criminal... So, like, that line is kind of like, Corin, please. Rules are yeah. important until they apply to me. Yeah, exactly. You know who's being hurt by regulations right now? Tycho. Let's talk <laughs> about it. That's Corin. <laughs> so, and we find out that if you use the word scrounge, it kind of gives M-Tray a new setting. And he kind of bypasses all of those protocols. Which isn't suspicious at all. So that's, that's M-Tray for you. Mm-hmm. M-Tray is interesting. Yeah. And then suddenly the next chapter, Kirtan Lore knows exactly where they are. I Wait, wonder who could have leaked that information. Was that the part where M-Tray winked? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that I'm was gonna, weird. I'm going to legitimately have nightmares about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Like, how this droid who was, like, obsessed with just, like, following every rule all of a sudden, like, snapped somehow and, like, had a different voice and was winking. Like, it was legitimately terrifying. I do do not like it. I don't like M-Tray anymore. I don't like M-Tray either. I'm I'm very suspicious of this droid. The parallels to C-3PO are actually quite relevant. I think that's hilarious. Um, There was some great shade. At C-3PO in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well M-Tray is not the worst protocol droid working. <laughs> it was so good. So good. And uh, <laughs> when M-Tray is describing what he does, he has six million um, different military and paramilitary organizations that he knows the protocol of. Right. Which I thought, mm-hmm. just that exact same number, which is interesting. But also just like the way that they treat M-Tray in this chapter is very reminiscent of Han and C-3PO. So, yeah. you know, I don't really blame M-Tray for going back to Kirtan Lore and selling them all out. What, yeah, one of them and one of those organizations is probably the Empire. You're right. Show yeah. some respect. We found them all. It's Where's winking M-Tray. Yep. God. Oh, so creepy. I don't... 
<laughs> Let's we, move on to the next chapter. I don't like it. Yeah. So chapter uh, 15, we go back to Kirtan Lore, and um, he comes to investigate what happened with the Black Asp. Um, and he's talking to, where's my book? What's her name? And like the, the, the Admiral or the bigwig up there is a total jerk and typical like Imperial Admiral where he's just, well, whatever makes it easiest for me. And I'm always right about things. And Kirtan, as well as the captain of the ship, Elor, both kind of roll their eyes at him because he's not helpful. And um, what I thought was interesting about this is that Captain Elor is uh, non-human and that there's a special, we find out that there was a special non-human track for Imperial officers, which makes sense because the Imperials did not particularly like non-humans. And that Kirtan talks about, like, thinks about how there would never have been a cap. she would have never been a captain of her own ship, except they had lost so much um, during the Battle of Endor and what happened afterward. And so it also lends to why the Admiral doesn't, like, believe what her analysis of the situation, because one, she's a woman, and two, she's a non-human, so whatever. Double whammy. Did they indicate that this non-human track only started after Endor? No, it started before. So they've had it before, but it's just that they're now, like, actually taking people from there to be officers because they're in such a power. Like, officers in the main Going farther now. Yeah, Yeah. because, like... We know that, like, Thrawn, from the Thrawn trilogy, right, that mm. he is a non-human, but he was actually, like, kept being promoted and was a Grand Admiral, but he was in this fleet that was not at all involved with the rest of, the, of like, the Imperial Navy. And so it's like, he did get promoted, but he still didn't run in the same circles as everybody else. So even though they had non-humans, they would have never, like, been a critical part of the Empire, because the Empire sucks. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so from their conversation, they figure out that it was Rogue Squadron who jumped the Black Asp, even though it was just purely an accident. A really good accident because it was Mirax and they needed the supplies she was carrying. Um, but, you know, you see that Kirtan is trying to make up for his mistakes and trying not to, like, fall in the same traps that he would before, like, by making assumptions um, about what's happening. Yeah, I felt like Kiritan in this chapter went from when we last saw him, he was so boring. And Kiritan like, Bore. Yeah, Kiritan Bore. And and in this chapter <laughs> I was like riveted by this guy. Like he was he was suave and savvy and kind of a badass and I was mm-hmm. really into it. Yeah. I think this is the first time where he's like where you're like, Oh, I wonder mm, I'm kind of worried about Rogue Squadron right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think something about Isar's slenderness must have given him a new sense of confidence. Absolutely. Give me a new sense of confidence. (laughs) It's so slender and beautiful. Exactly. (laughs) But seriously, she's terrifying. I love her so much. Yeah. I mean, I would whip into shape after she personally was like, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. So so they figure out that Rogue Squadron is going to be operating somewhere close, which they are. um, So that's not good. And that's the riveting point that that chapter ends off on. And then chapter 16 is more action. We find out that Rogue Squadron's pew, on like, the first real mission to assist the escape of the frigate Battle of Yavin, which is stuck underwater on this planet. <laughs> so. Um, okay, I just want to say, I freaking the love the word frigate. Yeah, frigate's a good word. It's a great word. It's my favorite word. And so it's basically a lot of space battle in this, which yep. doesn't necessarily need a, a breakdown. Just cool barrel rolls. 
shooting things. Whistler being awesome. It was fun. And I mean, that's literally all that happened in this chapter. And then um, at the end, Corin is all surprised that like all 12 X-Wings show up at the end. And um, because, you know, they were trained to think that everybody dies in Rogue Squadron. <laughs> I feel like that this is just them trying to make us more comfortable. Like, look, everybody's actually going yeah, to right. live. And then they're going to kill someone. Yay, everybody is alive for now. For now. Yeah, I don't so trust it. Wedge talks about how um, it's the difference of, like, training and that they actually have hope now because the Empire, like, the Emperor himself has been defeated. So, like, they actually do stand a chance for once. We didn't lose anyone? Are you complaining, Nine? No, sir, Commander. Not at all. It's just... Yes, Nine? This is Rogue Squadron. I thought most of the pilots didn't survive Rogue missions. That was when there was still an Emperor Nine. I guess that's the difference. Let's head home, rogues. This is one victory we can celebrate without having to toast dead comrades, and I, for one, like the change. So sassy. Yeah. Yeah, alright. AKA, Corin, stop being ungrateful. <laughs> stop being a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a little bitch about everything, I can't handle it. Radio is like, is this right? Man, is this right? <laughs> is that supposed to be leader? You're like, yeah, shut up, gosh. Yeah, so that was that was it for the this time. Um next time we get well, it's basically gonna be action for the rest of the book. So Alright. We'll get we'll our get, pew pew voices ready. Yeah, get the pew 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 get the pew. TIE Fighter screams. Yeah. Ah. Whoa. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> Excellent TIE Fighter screech. Cool. So, uh, Heath, I believe you have some responses to our question of the week. I do. So our question last week was, what kinds of other pranks do you think Rogue Squadron pulls on each other or the Y-Wing Squadrons? We got some really good responses. Um, Mike Audette told us that they would fill their cockpits with Bantha Poo. Which I is... think this would be like Gavin's idea because Gavin is 16. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's only you... a 16-year-old probably... prank. Are you saying that Mike is 16? <laughs> no, but I'm like... <laughs> It's a very like juvenile kind of prank. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also and Banthas like, are native to Tatooine. He, right? Yeah, he's probably had his fill of like unfortunate Bantha like, poo. Like, what other pranks do they pull on Tatooine besides that? It's true. You don't have right, a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Brian Anderson said that Rogue Squadron would steal the Y Wing squ- Squadron's mascot and take pictures of it in exotic locations like Coruscant and then send them the pictures. I think that's super I, cute. That's really that funny. Adorable. That's really funny. That's really cute. Like, I'd want to do that. Yeah. Yes. Sarah said that Rogue Squadron could slice the Y Wing simulators and then add some sort of like boost performance button. But then when the Y Wing pir- pilots pressed it, the Y-Wing would become an X-Wing in the simulator. Oh so like, God. burn! That's hilarious! <laughs> and and there'd be like little, little messages that popped across, X-wing. like, X-Wings are best. L- level up! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. I love so, it so much. It's really good. I could definitely see them doing that one. Oh, yeah. Matthew Appleby sent some awesome ideas. He sent three, actually, so let's go through them. Um, number one, Y-Wing pilots fear Gungans, so the rogues would put poo in the ship's intake and have a jar jar recording that says pee usa 
I would also be terrified of that. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> why do wiring you... pilots fear gun guns? Because <laughs> they're scary. I think he made that up. But it could be true. Uh, head cannon you know. accepted. I haven't I, read all of the books. That could be totally true. I, I fear Gungans, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like, if I just heard some Gungan noises, I'd be freaked out. They're too let's, tall. I mean, let's be real about this. Boss Nass is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. He looks like someone who could just, like, bite like, your head off. Like, literally. He would just lean like, forward and take a bite. If you, like, bumped into Boss Nass on the street, that would be a scary moment. So, yeah, I get it. I feel like Boss Nass um, is the only Gungan that looks like that, though, right? Like, I feel like Boss Nass is a Gungan crossed with a hut. Ew. Weird. Ew, can, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> can we not even think about the bi- biology behind that? Yeah, that's pretty You're unsettling. thinking about it already. <laughs> anyway, the second prank that Matthew Appleby sent to us was... Um, the rogues would paint all the Y-Wing ships and astromechs with the rogue crest, which is also really good. Um, Sabine. Number That's three. a Sabine-esque prank. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Number three, I love this one. Give Tycho Halloween masks to all New Republic personnel and walk toward General Psalm saying, Lusankia. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> That's so good. So many Tycho's walking around. Donald Saw <laughs> would like have a heart attack. A really good world. Um, and then lastly, our number one Beluga Whale fan told us, I'm pretty sure X-Wing pilots rig Y-Wings to blare, pull over the ass too fat loudly whenever oh they God. reach max speed, which is honestly <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I just picked oh. like... A Y-Wing struggling along in space and an X-Wing getting behind it and then, like, playing that song really loudly. Pull over that ass too fat. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> it's totally something they would do. I could see them such doing a, that. Such a good image. Oh, uh, the X-Wing so pilots are such bros. They are. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love them, though. <laughs> so this week's question, which we will now answer and you should also answer to us, um... Who do you think Corn is going to wind up with? So many options. I say nobody because he's kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, his grave. I still say Tycho because there's just been way too much foreshadowing. Of them like getting too angry at each other. Oh yeah. Angry Tycho or Corn is like way too obsessed with Tycho. Like let's be honest. <laughs> right. Yeah, a little bit. There's only one way to resolve that. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> I think Murex. I think the whole like awkward wedge thing was like a pretty Yeah, it's like not fair to have wedge like back it up because it's like you have to do what your commander says. Right. Or who your commander says. (laughs) (laughs) So mm. Yeah, I kinda think Murex too. But I like that I like that there were like other little like scenes of him flirting with others too um, yeah and i hope that we like lou jane just kind of disappeared during the, these last few chapters actually she's, she's mostly disappeared since that scene like i hope she comes back and kicks no nah, she's gonna come back just concentrating on flying okay no, they told us, like as she should they be. told us how she looks and now she's gone <laughs> she's the important and that's all you <laughs> needed <laughs> and then, i want to hug me who was flirting with him last week was it rasadi it was, it was no, her it was and Aracy. um Aracy. yeah yeah, so. so Murex is just the flavor of the week. 
<laughs> How many more slender girls are going to come into Corin's life? Ugh. Ugh. No, I Get think... Get the tequila think... ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I think oh, Nerex, because she has that connection to his past, and, like, that's a really interesting conflict, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... What would his dad say? <sighs> the daughter... Well, his dad is dead. Yeah, but he obviously, like, wants to please his dad, even in the afterlife, right. so... Well, he better just give up because it's not going to happen. Well, because you're a well, failure. So. Wow. Saf yeah, is all basically. about that tough love. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I got to teach this boy some manners. <laughs> Accurate. So, yeah, you've all been sending some awesome tweets our way, emails. Um, we love hearing from you after an episode about what you're thinking about these books, what you're thinking about the podcast so far. Um, and this week we, we heard from Sarah, who via Twitter sent us some pictures of old Beck issue comics that have Rogue Squadron in them, including a Tycho wearing a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> so thank you, Sarah. <laughs> you made Heath's week, Sarah. Send more of that. Love it. All right. Is it outro time? It's outro time. Where can you send your sleeveless Tycho photos to? You can send them to our Twitter, which is at Rogue Podron, or you can email them straight to us at roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. Our website is farfarawayradio.com slash category slash rogue dash podron. And you can find our podcasts in the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes. Yep. So send all over those pictures um, because yes. obviously we need more, even though I have like volume three of the comics, but still. It's different when our listeners send it to us. We love uh, you. Yeah, and send us the answers of what you think um, Corin's next flavor of the week is going to be. And and if he ever decides to settle down like a proper man. Um... <laughs> what was that voice? <laughs> that was my old man voice. <laughs> it's really good. Thanks. Is that your Hal Horn voice? Yeah, it's my Hal Horn voice. <laughs> Corin, you need to settle down. Settle down like a proper horn. <laughs> Jeez, what a terrible last name. Um, this so kind yeah, of makes me want time. a Halhorn Force Ghost to show up at some point. No, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> was he a Jedi? No. 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 Well, I guess we don't no, know. Maybe not, he was. It's not canon. Could be. Oh. oh, yeah, you can only be a Force Ghost if you're a Jedi, can't you? I mean, oh, well, he could so just be a regular too. ghost. Oh. Who knows that he brings never... in a lot of weird things. <laughs> yeah, like <he laughs> never considered that. <laughs> Regular ghost. Can you imagine? Dad, you never like... told me you were a Jedi. I, I wasn't, son. I'm just a regular ghost. Right. Oh, it's such a disappointment. I'm not here to be helpful. I'm just here <laughs> Can to you be... imagine, like, Yoda seeing a real ghost and be like, God damn it, Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had something special going here. <laughs> oh, man. He told me this was only for Jedi. <laughs> Oh, you lied. I should have known. You've been a liar from the start. <laughs> anyway, so sad for you, we actually won't have a new Rogue Pod coming out next week. But that means you get two full weeks to make sure you read chapters 17 through 20 of X-Wing Rogue Squadron. Um, so we'll be back uh, that first week of November. Yes. Yes. We'll be back that first week of November with a brand new episode. Um, so until then, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. 
Rogue 7, signing off. Rogue 3, signing off. Whatever. I don't think, like, quality is number one. Qu- like, audio quality is number one on this podcast. Because, like, you I always hear us, like... quality is number one on this podcast. Because, <laughs> like, you hear us, like, typing and eating and sirens in the background. <laughs> hey, I at least mute my mic when I eat. You know, so I think we're all fine. We're fine here. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do... uh. <laughs> a sound check because yeah, we're fancy yo, like, yo, but... yo. <laughs> Sorry, I've been asking. Yeah. <laughs> yikes, yikes. Okay. No. Hey, everyone, say the whitest thing you can possibly think of. I can't. Was that mine just now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to a bottomless mimosa brunch this Saturday. Oh, okay, you just topped <laughs> it. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Rogue Seven, Saf, who started the New Zealand chapter of iHeart Ray Club, it currently consists of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth was that? Oh my god, that was hilarious. That was so perfectly timed. Uh, (laughs) Say hello. Hi. No, you have to re record that. All right. Oh man, fourth time's a charm. Oh, the Rogue Quadrant doesn't need a ton of editing. (laughs) It doesn't. This is what I'm putting out there. One take. Okay, well, thanks, babies. Thanks, rogue leader. Yeah, like, yeah. we'll just tweet each other in, like, three minutes. Yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> See you on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Bye, you, bye. have a good night. Peace out. Bye. bye.